You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, so great to gather and worship today. I want to add a, my happy birthday to Val over there. Great to see you. Happy birthday. And I understand also it is Annie Okonafua's birthday, who is also in the room. So I wonder, can we have a round of applause, a ripple for Annie? Happy birthday. It's great to have you here to celebrate your birthday here in church. Well, I hope you've been enjoying the sunshine this week. Seems like summer has kind of come all of a sudden and without any warning, but it's very, very welcome. And then, of course, yesterday was such a big day for Coventry as it kicked off its year as the UK City of Culture with its opening event, Coventry Moves. Do like put in the chat uh, if you managed to see anything live yesterday or raise a hand. Did anyone come across any live performing yesterday? One person, two people, three people. Awesome. I didn't see any, but I heard it. I know it can't have been far away, but I didn't actually see it. But you know, if you saw any of the modern day Lady Godivers and thought one of them looked a bit familiar, that will probably have been Alethea. She is a member of CLM, Director of Operations and Deputy CEO for Coventry and Warwickshire Mind. And uh, Alethea, we were delighted that you were nominated and selected and we celebrate with you and also say well done for your horse riding. Very, very impressive. But that's enough of that. Let's turn to the word for today. And as has already been said, we are continuing in our series, Beauty for Ashes. Turning to Isaiah 61. These are the words of a prophet speaking to Judah many hundreds of years ago. They were God's people, but they were being threatened with judgment and exile by God because they had essentially rebelled against him. But even alongside the warnings that were coming through the prophet Isaiah was also the promise of future restoration that would come. And these are the words that we read in Isaiah 61. Words that were then read aloud by Jesus in the synagogue. We read this in Luke chapter four, when he took out the scroll in that synagogue in Nazareth and he read the words and then followed it by saying, today, these words are fulfilled in your hearing. So let's read them again this morning. This is Isaiah 61, verses one to three. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners or the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. What beautiful, powerful words. This morning, we're going to focus particularly on just the very last part of verse 2 and verse 3, which says, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty 
instead of ashes, and the oil of joy instead of mourning. I'm conscious this has been the most collectively challenging season that many of us have ever lived through. And I believe these verses have something to say to us today, to minister to us from the heart of God. And to help us to engage with that, I'm simply gonna bring us four simple steps as to how we might approach grief or loss or pain. And if there's boys or girls joining us from home, I would love for you to have a go at drawing a crown of beauty like these verses talk about. But let me begin by bringing us to look, just focus and think about what is meant here by ashes, these ashes that are mentioned in these verses. Because in the biblical context, it doesn't just mean what is left after a fire has gone out. And if you're more familiar with the Bible, if you've read particularly through the Old Testament, then you might be able to think of several uh, occasions when we get ashes mentioned. We often hear them talked about in conjunction with the wearing of sackcloth, which doesn't sound a very comfortable affair to me. You may remember in the Old Testament, we hear about Job, a person who suffered so much. He lost all of his sons and all of his daughters in one day, as well as much of his business and his wealth. And we're told that he sat among the ashes. And later when he was humbled before God, he said, I repent in dust and ashes. Jeremiah, another prophet, when he warned Judah that judgment was coming to them, if they didn't return to God, he called them to put on sackcloth and roll in ashes. When Jonah went to Nineveh, perhaps a more familiar story to some of us, he warned them to return to God and they declared a fast and put on sackcloth and even the king, we are told, sat down in the dust or the ash. Sometimes ash would be put on the head or on the forehead in a time of mourning. And we also see it in scripture in the book of Esther as Mordecai, Esther's uh, uncle, responds along with many other Jews when there is a plot to destroy his people, his race. And we're told that there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping and wailing and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Ashes, it seems, were used as an expression of repentance for sin or an expression of mourning or deep distress of some kind. It was an outward sign of an inner devastation and distress that was, had reached a point in those people that it was more important than maintaining dignity, maintaining an honorable outlook, was to express the distress that they felt inside, allowing it to be visible. It was a humbling expression. And it occurs to me that is somewhat counter to what we tend to do here in UK culture. In fact, sometimes the more distressed we might be, the more we seek to uh, internalize and intentionally try to look as though everything is actually okay still. But ashes were a way of humbling oneself, of allowing distress and vulnerability to be seen. It was often a part of a response to that distress before others and before God. Now, there is the strong suggestion that we're not actually designed to journey our pain and keep it hidden. God made us with the ability to cry, tears that can be seen by those around us. And we often spend our years as we mature learning how to keep those in and not let people see them. But I think it's part of the design that our grief and our pain was not meant to be hidden all the time. 
For many people, this has been such a tough season. Some have lost loved ones. Some people have lost more than one member of their family. And there's loss and there's grief. There's other people processing the loss of a, a livelihood or, or a way of life or a job or a career or things just changing considerably from what they had known. Some people are processing the pain of racism that they've experienced over many, many years, but suppressed, as was expressed so brilliantly a couple of weeks ago by Natasha as we talked here. And perhaps for some, just some of the difficulty of the last 15 months has meant that they have drifted in their faith and find themselves now far side of maybe some choices that have been unwise or unhelpful and they're not where they want to be. And probably for all of those, there would be a desire to cover our vulnerability, or wanting to push through. It's like, let's just get into a new season. Let's get beyond this. But if any of us are going to truly move forward from any loss or grief or pain or sin, then first we have to acknowledge it. We have to allow it to be seen at some level, somewhere. We don't have to physically mark it as the scriptures do. I'm not suggesting that we physically put ash about our persons or wear sackcloth. But we do need to let somebody see it. And we also need to let God see it. Now, I know that God can see everything. He knows everything, but it's a different thing when we bring it intentionally to God and talk to him about it. And we say, I want you to see this. I want to let you into this. So the first simple point today is that when we're seeking to move on and process grief or pain or loss, that we must let it be seen. Let it be seen. You don't need to tell everyone. You don't need to talk about it all the time. In fact, don't talk about it all the time. That won't help you, but let it be seen. The second simple point is this. Let it be explored. Let it be seen, but then also let it be explored. Peter Scazzaro, who's the author of a number of books on the subject of emotionally healthy spirituality and discipleship and church and he, he talks a lot about emotional health. And he says, if we want to be emotionally healthy, then we must explore what he calls the iceberg of grief. Ask the question, what am I sad about? You know, most of us, we move away from our pain. We seek to intentionally disconnect from it. We want to bury it, ignore it, hope it will go away. And why do we do that? Well, we do it because it hurts. We do it because it feels like a kind of work that we don't really want to do. It makes us feel extremely vulnerable, and generally we just try to protect ourselves from vulnerability. It feels out of control. We can think, if I go after that, if I explore that, what will I find? How will it impact me? Will it consume me or derail me? If I begin crying, will I be able to stop? It feels out of control, and for some of us that can be deeply uncomfortable. I'm conscious there may be some for whom our loss might be so recent or so raw that actually we're at the point where being present in our grief isn't a question. In fact, it's a matter of just trying to get through the day. And if that's you, I'm not suggesting that you seek to lean in to further explore your grief right now. Today, you just need to know that Jesus weeps with you like he did with Mary when Lazarus had died. He's present with you in your grief. He provides for you. There's provision for you as you grieve to help you get through the day. And I'd wanna encourage you, if you're struggling to get through the day in that place, then tell someone. Let them journey with you. 
And as you come to Jesus, don't feel that that doesn't mean you can't also go to your GP if you're struggling. For most of us though, we will move on from the place of raw emotion all the time and the grief and the loss, it's still there, it's still very real and it's still very painful, but the emotions are a little bit further beneath the surface. They're less accessible. But to be healthy and to be whole, to be integrated people, we have to lean into our grief and explore it, move towards it, allow it airtime internally, be present with it. And how do we do that? Well, it's gonna look different for different ones of us. Grief and loss, they are things that are deeply personal and unique, but you know, many of us, we might be helped by stillness or silence to actually notice, feel, acknowledge, name what is there, what is making us sad, how is it impacting us, what is the loss within the loss. We may be helped by writing things down, journaling, if you've forgotten how to use pen and paper, you could even use a phone. Go somewhere that's significant to the, what you've experienced that will help you be present in what you feel. It might help you to read things that are connected to what you've lost or what you're grieving. When I was first grieving the loss of my sister, there was a brilliant book written by uh, just an amazing professor called John Wyatt, and it's called Dying Well. And it just provided me a vehicle to give internal airtime to what I'd walked through and what I was trying to process. It let it be explored. It might help you to talk to someone if you've got a helpful person accessible or find the help of a counselor. Or probably for all of us, it will help us to go to the Psalms. You know, two thirds of the Psalms are laments. They're filled with anger, grief, disappointment, confusion. And it's being explored before God. That's what the psalmists are doing. It's the best place for us to explore our grief and our loss. In Psalm 62, verse 8, there's a psalm of David. He says, trust in the Lord at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is your refuge. This is David speaking. And I've point this out because some of us, we might think that the way that I'm talking, this is uh, for sensitive types. This is for those who are weak, who can't just push on. This is for those uh, perhaps uh, more on the pink side of life. But no, no, no. David's Psalms are full of this kind of outpouring and David was a warrior. In fact, when David wanted to build a house for the Lord, the Lord said, no, no. You're not the one to build a house for my name because you've been a warrior. You've shed blood. You're a different sort. The mightiest warrior in scripture had learned how to explore his grief before the Lord. And we take well to take note. Men, you do well to take note of David. Because if we leave our griefs unexplored, we tend to repress them. And in time, our grief or loss will tend to find expression somehow, perhaps in anxiety or depression, perhaps in overreactions or outbursts of anger that are unmerited by the current situation or circumstance that we find ourselves in, or sometimes even in inappropriate behaviors or relationships. Because we may distract ourselves or self-medicate ourselves, but it doesn't go away. We have to let it be seen and we have to let it be explored. This is how we actively grieve. We let it be explored. Now we turn to the miracle of what Jesus does into this scenario, what Jesus is anointed to do to comfort 
all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve, to bring the oil of joy instead of mourning, to bestow on them and on us a crown of beauty for ashes. My third point here is that we let it be exchanged. You see, when we let our grief be seen and when we let it be explored, specifically when we explore it in the presence of God, then we position ourselves to go beyond just a natural healing process, but we enter the territory of divine exchange, which is what is being explained in these verses, where our brokenness, our pain, our loss, our response, as messy and as ugly as it might be, we can bring it. And there, in Jesus, we can be met with comfort, with provision, with his presence to carry us and to get us through the day. When we come to Jesus vulnerable, humble by our need, humble by our grief or our loss or our sin, when we show up in our ashes and we let it be seen, then in that place, we position ourselves for divine exchange to receive from him what is needed for the day. And he steps close into our vulnerability and he brushes the ash off our foreheads. He lifts us up from the dust. He pours his grace and provision into our hearts. And as Isaiah's words so beautifully describe, he places on our heads a crown of beauty instead. We get lifted up from the dust. We get given a crown. We get met in our vulnerability and exalted, provided for, protected, covered, comforted. What an exchange. Of course, this kind of exchange is not just a one-off transaction. We're not talking here about an instantaneous moment of healing where all grief and loss is removed from us. See, often when we've lost something or someone and we're grieving, we're dealing with an internal attachment and separation that can't actually be achieved or completed in one moment because it's often us that are changing to accommodate the loss. And that needs to be done gradually. But in that process, what we need is comfort, provision. We need the oil of gladness for these things sustain our souls. I view it a little bit like this. You know, I don't know if you've ever had a scratch on your eye or on the inside of your eyelid when you get a scratch or a little spot and you can't see anything. There's no sign that anything's wrong, but it aches and it hurts so you know things aren't quite as they should be. And I've learned in those circumstances what you're meant to do or I understand what you're meant to do is get some cold boiled water and just bathe the affected eye several times a day. You just keep it clean so that it can uh, heal without getting infected. But when you do that, when you bathe it, it soothes it, it relieves the pain, it comforts it. And the clean wound will always heal quicker. And the comfort of the Lord is like that. Every time we come, we exchange what we're carrying and we receive comfort, cleansing, salve, if you like. So in a season of grieving, it's not one visit to the place of exchange that is needed. It's not an instantaneous once for all, but a journeying with Jesus, a regular coming and letting our grief be seen and be explored and there accessing this exchange, our ashes for his crown of beauty. 
You know, the spiritual rhythms of our life are important to make room for this. Silence punctuating our speaking, solitude tempering the amount of time we're with others, a Sabbath where work is reordered with rest. These things make room for our grief to be seen. They let it be explored and let it be exchanged so that our souls can be comforted and cleansed and lifted up and in time be healed. We have to let it be exchanged. It brings me to my fourth and my final point this morning is to let it be fruitful. You know, the Apostle Paul, he writes in Romans 5 that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, hope, and sorry, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. You know, there's a part of our spiritual formation, our being worked on and becoming more like Jesus that takes place when we suffer, when it hurts, when we grieve when we face loss. It's a time for potential growth. Of course, suffering can make us bitter. It can make us cynical. It can make us hard-hearted, but it can produce perseverance and character and hope. And if we'll let our grief be seen and let it be explored by God and let it be exchanged by Jesus, then it can be very fruitful in our lives. It's a little bit like the piece of grit that's necessary in an oyster for a pearl to be made. A pearl is something of very great worth. But if there's no grit, if there's no irritant, then there will be no pearl. But the presence of the problem, the presence of the pain, just this tiny piece of grit, it causes the oyster to make this fluid substance called nacre. Under normal circumstances, an oyster never produces this but only when the irritant is there. And then it produces it and layer upon layer is deposited on the grit. And after a few years, a lustrous pearl is formed, something of great value. God can make the toughest season exceedingly fruitful. And so often we can emerge from seasons of grieving if we've journeyed with Jesus and we'll find some divine deposit that he has layered in our souls or some revelation of the goodness and the kindness and the grace of Jesus in the way that he's journeyed with us and held us and carried us, something that we didn't have before. Our intimacy with Jesus will be deepened. Our trust in him will be strengthened if we journey with him then we let it be fruitful. And it doesn't have to be fruitful just for us. Paul, elsewhere in the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians 1, he talks about the God of all comfort. And he says, the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. You see, what we receive from God in our time of need may not be just for our growth, for our benefit, for our healing, but what we receive can then be passed on. You know, I'm sure that you'll be aware that all around us there is more need than ever, ever before. With our colleagues, in our families, in our neighbors, in our friends even. The last 15 months have taken a toll on people. We're glad for a week of sunshine. We're glad for an easing of restrictions, but hearts are hurting 
And we as the people of God, we are called to reach them. But not by avoiding our own grief or our own loss or our own pain, not by repressing that and burying it and trying to push forward regardless. We are called to reach them by us coming to God as we really are. Letting our grief be seen and letting it be explored and letting it be exchanged. And then we can let it be fruitful as we share appropriately with those around our lives sensitively about what Jesus has done for us. As we share the comfort that we have received with others and signpost them to Him that they might find all that they need in the same place. Let it be fruitful. Four simple things then, whether you find yourself with grief or loss or pain that's recent or perhaps from long ago, let it be seen, let it be explored, let it be exchanged and let it be fruitful. Let me bring us back to the words of Isaiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, he said, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty for ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. And today, friends, this word is still fulfilled in Jesus. This is a message today that's for the journey, not just for the moment. But I also believe that there is an anointing of restoring and of comforting that Jesus wants to pour out even now. You may be carrying old hurts and griefs and pain that's been repressed. You may be raw today already as you listen to these words. In a moment, I'm gonna pray. And I believe Holy Spirit wants to restore you, comfort you. And the Holy Spirit isn't limited by space. So whether you're here in the room or whether you're joining us on YouTube, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to minister into your heart to bring comfort, to bring restoration. So I invite you, whether you're at home or here in the room, to stand to your feet and position yourself that you might receive from Holy Spirit. So let's stand together. Let's open our hearts to Him. And I'm gonna pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace to us. We thank you that you didn't leave us, but you came and went to the cross. That all the goodness of your presence and your person might be poured out into each one of us. And in our times of need, we might have divine exchange to meet us and to resource us. We pray, Lord, that you would help every one of us in how we process, that we would let our grief, let our pain, let any loss be seen, that we would let it be explored, that we would bring it to you and we would let it be exchanged and that by your grace, we would let it be fruitful. And now Lord, we come and we bring your word back to you. It says the spirit of the Lord, the sovereign Lord, is upon me because he has anointed me. So we ask you, Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, to minister these words, to minister to your people here in the room. 
And wherever they join, Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, Holy Spirit of God, would you minister into every heart? Would you minister to the deep places of our souls? Even right now in this moment, Holy Spirit, would you comfort all who mourn? Holy Spirit, would you minister your provision for those who grieve? Holy Spirit, would you pour out the oil of joy instead of mourning? Lift spirits, lift hearts. Let your oil be like balm and salve into those places. And Holy Spirit, would you wipe the ash off every forehead and bestow on them a crown of beauty for ashes. We thank you that you're unchanging and that you are good. And that even in the difficult seasons of life, you remain consistent, you remain faithful, and you are good. We thank you that you are the comforter the restorer of our souls, Lord. So please continue to minister your divine exchange, your comfort and restoration into every person, we pray. Amen.